Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's Monday. Have you remembered all the things that you needed for the office? Have you got everything in the bag? Have you got your uh, inhaler? Have you got your wallet? Have you got your keys? Have you got those brownies you promised to make every weekend for the last three months? Exactly. Oh, they've got a bake-off today. It's it's bake-off in the office, guys. Make sure you bring all your treats. Is it mufty day and you're wearing your proper work clothes? That's only on Friday. Oh, yeah. I'm so Only ever on Friday. How are you Uh, more in touch than me? I know. Welcome uh, to Luke and Pete Show. Episode 49, we're yeah. heading for the big 5-0 when life begins. <laughs> yes, it does. And um, that's Pete Donaldson, and I'm, of course, Luke Moore. It doesn't matter, we're just voices in people's ears. If you've chosen to listen to it, you're going to listen to it regardless. It's true. So I've rebranded myself to Dr. Marmaduke. Um, Dr. Marmaduke and the Infinity Kid, that's the me. Infinity Kid. Yeah. We sound uh, like wrestlers. We're, we're delighted to have listeners, aren't we? We're delighted to have them here. We're happy, we're lucky... <laughs> And we're happy go lucky, Luke. I think whether it's your first episode or your 49th, you are very welcome. It's time to switch off the world and snuggle into Luke and Pete yeah. and the collective warmth of our bosom. Some people have uh, gone back and listened to our, the entirety of our oeuvre, hmm. which is, I guess, easier to do now. Um, the show's are slightly shorter, but there are two of them. So in essence, we're doing more content than ever before. Yeah. So... I'm not sure what to make of that. You're, you sound resentful. <laughs> just tired. Yeah, fair enough. Resentful that I'm even here, to be honest. But we, we like to try and um, understand the world together with the listeners helping us because we don't have the intelligence level required to solve any mystery at all. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, and I'm too busy to Google things. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, Pete, as we've discussed before these days, it doesn't matter how good you are at the old Google. Listen, I could Google. But it doesn't mean anything because, you know why? My my keys are more clicky. They are, actually. Yeah, they are. But you know why it doesn't matter, Pete? And listeners um, tuning into this will be familiar with what I'm about to say. What's real on the internet and what isn't anymore? We don't know, do we? More things I've got to worry about. Cambridge Analytica. I've got to worry about that now. You know what that Alexander Nix guy from Cambridge Analytica has got to worry about most? What? He looks like a five years older than you, you. Uh, Is that the whistleblower? No, oh. the guy with the glasses and the floppy hair. No, no. The guy like running things. No. <laughs> he looks like you. I'd rather look like the whistleblower who looks like emo never happened. He looks like an emo Kevin Peterson, the cricketer. <laughs> that whistleblower is everywhere now at the moment. Like He's on a million different shows, a million different podcasts. I think he's overexposed, Luke. 
in a million different ways. Bit rich. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Pete. If you could be first, two questions, a two pronged question. If you could be a whistleblower, just yes or no, would you like to be one? Uh, no, because whatever I say, people have got more stories on me. I'd say problem, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, if you were, forced, I'm not squeaky clean enough. In, in a sort of, um, you know, in, in a situation where you were forced to blow a whistle, yeah, because of problems with your own safety, if you didn't do it, mm. what? What sort of um, secret? No, no. Oh. What secret would you like to unveil? Um, it's a tough question, I know. Uh, Luke has got his willy out in front of me on more than one occasion for no good reason. Outrageous. Why is that outrageous? In the toilet. <laughs> I'm not going to wee my pants, am I? No. You popped it on my shoulder once. That, that is that of, is that was out of order. Right. This Marcus, is taking a turn already. Ma- well, don't. I'm the whistleblower. <laughs> This is backfiring in a spectacular yeah. fashion. And a very different blow to the one you wanted, clearly. Yeah. But Marcus said... Blow it's jaw, on, sorry. Screamed, it's on you, it's on you, and it was on me. Um, it's The correct term is blow jaw. Blow jaw? What? Or blow joe, whatever you... Blow joe, yeah, blow jaw. Have we spoken about that? Blow yeah, jaw. I can't understand your accent. I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't know whether you were saying blow joe or blow jaw. Oh, nobody wants to blow jaw. That sounds like a vice. But the jaw is involved, so that's why I was confused. And the jaw is involved. Where does you the can't... joe come from? <laughs> <laughs> cup of tea afterwards. Yeah, fair cup enough. Cup afterwards. of Joe. Cup, cup of Joe. Joe. Yeah. Um, last week we talked um, about yeah, lots spin. of spin. Oh, not yet. This is right. last week. Oh, sorry. It's okay. You can do another one. Somebody in a was asking on Twitter. Uh, a lad was asking on Twitter. He was saying, uh, uh, "Where's um, where's it's been come from?" I was like, "Oh, you're in for a treat." Yeah. Imagine never hearing the bare naked ladies one week. I thought you said you should have said you made it up. <laughs> That's my own work. <laughs> yes, exactly. um, you can do an it's been in the minute. Uh, okay. I'm just I was just going to get give people a little uh, pricey of last week in case they've tuned in for the first time or they can't remember or and also to remind you as well, Pete, because mm. you are famously uh, bad at mem- re- remembering things. Yeah, I can't even fucking say. Last week, Ken Dodd and a couple of other people, Jim Bowen and Stephen Hawking, sadly passed away. We talked about that. Uh, we talked about emus and Paul Gascoigne, and we talked about go-karts. Um, you went off-piste and went on another rant, but this time about childbirth. Uh, right. And also, um, there was talk of sleep paralysis, and um, oh, and the, and, the, and the amazing revelation that you invited a strange older man around to your house to teach you Japanese, mm. who turned up once and never came back. Yeah, he got me money, and then he went. actually accused me of uh, not giving him enough money. And I said, no, mate, it's uh, very much it's uh, it, it's a situation that I did. That's nothing. I mean, that that, that would, in your case, there's no way that would be true because you chuck out money like nobody's business to everyone all the time. So I don't believe that you would be penny-pinching. Delvern, his name was. Is, was he Japanese? No, uh, the man who asked what uh, oh. the It's Been Jingle was. <laughs> but I, I've just realised I was very sleepy and I've replied to, uh, I replied to him uh, with the link to Bare Naked Ladies one week from 2005. That's not right, 2005, is it? Must be a reissue. YouTube's a bit funny, that. Uh, and I've called him Delvin, so apology, Delvin. Yeah, D- Delvin. What an idiot. What an idiot I am. You've experienced a full gamut of Pete Donaldson activity there. Yeah. Um, give me an it's been for this week, then. Yeah, it's been. That was good. The kitchen is finished in my house. The kitchen is finished in your house. Yeah. Someone was having a go at your um, shirt being unironed. Yeah. Uh, disironed. Yeah. Non-ironed, yeah, uh, and you was like, and you were very. Um, well, I'm going to say defensive. That you started saying, "Well, you know, I didn't have an iron, so I couldn't well, the, iron my, my shirt." It my was, problem. It was well, under my jumper. As you, as you will hopefully agree, um, I don't tend to get involved on Twitter much anymore. I used to be quite punchy on it, but now I don't really do anything other than retweet stuff or, or um, yeah, 
retweet what we're doing or talk about things we, we're doing in terms of shows and stuff. But um, the reason I, I replied to that is purely because um, it's a good example of someone sort of making a sort of snap judgment on, on you. And I, and I know we're all out there to be judged, and that's fine. We, we do what we do, and I get that. But making a snap judgment on you without knowing anything about the situation you're, you're in at that time. And I thought, you know what, it might teach me a bit of a lesson to be not so judgmental because the reason I didn't iron my shirt is because, one, I had to put a jumper over the top of it because, two, I can't wash any clothes at the moment because there's builders in my house and I can't get access to the washing machine, let alone the iron or the ironing board. So it's tough titty. I'm going to use a phrase that you use quite a lot. It's good you're not bothered about it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't bothered about it until you brought it up again. But anyway, the kitchen's almost done. There's a, there's a thin layer of dust on everything in the house. Oh, mate. that is annoying, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I found, I keep finding new um, surfaces that have got dust on it from a, a bathroom that was fitted about six months ago. Right, yeah, it's I was terrible. Like, Where's that come from? Yeah. So my theory about dishwashers is that they're never fully new and fully operational purely because when you get a new dishwasher fixed um, as part of a new kitchen, there's so much dust everywhere, you've then got to put every single bit of cutlery and crockery you own through the dishwasher, which wears the dishwasher out by the time it's done, and you're back to where you started again. Yeah, I mean, Luke, um, I've not lived uh, in houses with a lot of dishwashers, I must admit, so to anyone who hasn't either... Mm. Your, uh, your little message about dishwashers. There's not, there's not, there aren't that many people around who haven't got dishwashers. Shut anymore. up, Luke. I would say... Students, and that's it. 25% of, of people have dishwashers in the developed nation. 25%. In, in the developed nation, are you including like, the northeast in that? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I've had one dishwasher in my life. Have you got one like, now? No, God no. I've seen my kitchen. It's tiny. You only, it's, use, you only eat takeaways anyway. Yeah, massively. I live in the bloody centre of town. I don't need to. Um, Matt Potter has pointed out that uh, Mencarta, <laughs> com, spelt with a K, uh, is a place where you can find um, uh, gay meeting places. Yeah, I, I heard about this. I heard about this. Yeah, but isn't that incredible? Mencarta is like, I had no idea. I should have Googled it, really. It kind of makes sense, though. Yeah. <laughs> Bless Me. you. And, ah. it, and it, sounds, um, it sounds about right, doesn't it? I mean, thinking about it, well, that works. the name is yeah, works, exactly. doesn't it? Hugely. Um, so what are you, it's are like you... an encyclopedia of... Uh, of, you know, where to pick up guys. And actually some proper old school kind of, you know, meeting places. Like? Uh, I'm not going to go into it. Okay. Um, and so are you suggest- Dungeons. Are you suggesting a um, a change of name? Surely not. God, no. I'm keeping no. it in Carter, right? Yeah, because I've come no, very I'm, attached I'm, to it. I'm talking um, uh, theme change. Field trip. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Reviews. Reviews. Um, any, anything else from everyone before before we get into emails? I, I also just want to quickly say that um, I am going to see Guitar Wolf tonight, who are a excellent, bloody excellent J- Japanese uh, garage punk band. And had I realised that this would be good material for the show because you like Japanese things, I would have invited you along. But you'd have been working anyway, right? I uh, mm, yeah, I would have been. Yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing a screening of my uh, Kasumu Kenya documentary. So uh... are you? I'm going to be talking BFI, about... BFI, is it? <laughs> uh, the kitchen at Absolute Radio. Okay. Is it really, yeah? yeah it's it? a nice kitchen at Absolute Radio, to be fair. It's big. It's where they do all the gigs. Yeah. The Manics are in there only a few days ago playing a little session. So who, who's invited along to your um, your screening? I don't really know. They just Can you turn up here? And I was like, that's all I need. Really. Oh, You're going you to have to do a talk. Probably am, aren't I? Probably have to talk about my experiences. I've got forgotten most. Of them. I can only think about that um, waiter hitting the hippo in the face. <laughs> the tray. The tray. And you, that's one of the funniest things you ever said to me. You, uh, you saw a waiter hit a hippo in the face with a metal tea tray. And the thing you took away from it was you said to me, I'm never going to hear that sound again. No. <laughs> Should have sampled it. Could have. Uh... 
given the shot in the arm that hip hop sorely needs. What did it sound like? Give us a sort of example. It's like a it's like a door bang. It's like a, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a dinner gong, but flat. Okay, so there's no echo. No. That's... Maybe it's like a duck's do you, th- do you think you could replicate it? <laughs> an, well, so I'd need a bin bag full of cushions, I think. No, a bin bag full of old jerky. Of flesh. <laughs> flesh, yeah. Just heavy if you, if you bought, say, 10 or 15 decent-sized steaks and mm. put them in a sort of in a, in cellophane because mm. it, so it wouldn't be as plasticky and rustly, then hit that with a tea tray. No, you'd need you'd need the hard, um, you know, the skull, wouldn't you? You'd need something. Oh, so it hit the bone. It. You'd need to, you'd need the skull behind it to give it the um, the depth, the depth. I and think. what what was the tea tray? Most like a silver tea tray. Yeah, very standard tea tray. But uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at the middle distance. I'm, <laughs> I'm right back. Uh, so that's you... going to be my, mainly my talk about my time in Kasumu. So uh... was the the hippo was unharmed. The hippo wasn't. Yeah. It's a hippo. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you could go to town for weeks with a with a tray, and it would never even feel it. But it put it off going into the. It did cafe. put it off. I think it was just gone. That's an interesting sound. <laughs> I'm going back. I must go back to my DIY sampling shed. So you get. So you're given a. Um, oh, can you do that again? I didn't press play. Uh, <laughs> didn't press record. So you're going to give a talk tonight. Have you dusted off every, one thing that, that long-term listeners to the show will be wondering, Pete? Uh, ahead of you giving a talk, a public sp- speech, essentially. Right. Uh, have you dusted off your, goodness me. Goodness me. My filling. Uh, when sounds... you can't think of anything to say, you'd I, always say goodness yeah, me. I listened so. back to um, uh, Wrestle Me, the podcast about wrestling, and uh, I noticed that there was a pace with about four episodes in, I stopped saying, um, what I would say is. Yeah, you so, say that a yeah. lot. You and Gary and Neville. It gives me a bit of time to, to think. Um and I've changed it to something else. I've just replaced it with something else. What is it? What is it? I can't remember what it is now. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. If you do yeah. think of it, let us know, because mm. I, I find it very endearing that you mm. say that. Dreadful. Um, so Cass- that's cassowary. Oh, cassowary, yes. Cassowary was the uh, emu, emu-like bird hit that uh, I was um, trying to find last week. Murray James got in touch with that, Murray James he? got in touch. God bless him. Liam Johnson as well. Excessively vicious fuckers found in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> says Liam. Well, every animal in Australia is essentially going to kill you. Like going yeah. to Australia is like going, like playing at Super Mario World in free in, in real life. Everything you touch kills you. Yeah, massively. And it doesn't. And, everything and stamping on the heads doesn't always work. <laughs> the first thing you touch makes you really small, and the second <laughs> one you die. <laughs> it's such a way. What I like about um, Australia is that, like you know, the Brits went all over there, went oh, just you know, fuck things up as they always do. Um, but like we're not. We're not historically a like hardy bunch. We, we, we like no. our cups of tea and we like our... And we get sunburnt. Like, yeah, we get yeah. sunburnt. We've got the hottest place where all the snakes are and where all yeah. the like, dangerous spiders are. You know how many people died before we got shit together? Lots. Yeah. That's how the, I guess that's how the species progresses. But you know, when I was in Australia last, a long time ago now, I was waiting at a bus stop and I was doing a bit of backpacking. So there were me and a few mates and there were some backpacks lying around at the bus stop and we were waiting for this coach to come along and take us somewhere else. And... Um, no word of a lie, I looked down and the most gigantic spider I've ever seen was on this backpack <laughs> and it was a huntsman spider. Mm. Uh, I don't think they're dangerous, but obviously I didn't know that at the time because it's, it's 2003, so mm. you, know, you don't know anything about anything. There's no, you can't just flip out your phone on Wikipedia. I didn't even yeah. have a mobile phone. And I was like, fucking hell, that is the biggest <laughs> spider. It was honestly the size of, I don't know, like probably the size of your face, I would yeah. say. Well, that's the thing with um, big spiders. that It's like you're going... Why aren't you a fucking tarantula? Yeah. Why aren't you a big, thick-legged, muscular tarantula? Why are you just a, you know, a really fat-bodied light bulb thing? 
I, I, what 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 is your um what's your sort of um take on spiders? Are they, are they something that you don't particularly like or I don't mind them. I, I, when I say spider, it makes me a little bit happy. What about the moths? The, you know, on the other hand, we could do a whole separate podcast about my feelings on fucking moths. Yeah, they're made of sand. I hate them so much. Um, the the largest spider in the world is the Goliath bird eating spider. In terms of the, the the heaviness of it, does it eat um, birds? Small birds, yeah. Shit. Yeah, serious. Shit. Isn't it? I'm going to Google that. Uh, and, while you um, start your ch- chat. And the huntsman spider, I think, is the largest by diameter. So it would have been. I don't know if the one I saw was a particularly big big example, but they are it's like big. A crab. They're big. I oh, know uh, they are big. Jesus. They are big. Um, and um, one of the one of the also most bizarre animals I think I've ever seen. I didn't see it in the flesh, but I know they are, they can be native to where I was. I was in the Cook Islands once, mm. in the South Pacific. And they have coconut crabs there. Have you seen the size of a coconut crab? No, but I'm about to. Yeah, Google coconut image that. Crab. Right. Coconut crab. They're so big. To give people listening a, a perspective, they're so big. Oh my god, it's, that looks like a um, like a lobster. But look how big it is. I reckon you could eat that. Oh, you probably can. They're probably very tasty. But they're so yeah. big, you can actually hear them walking. <laughs> That's how big they are. And that is a perishing thought. Oh, sorry, coconut crab. It is a crab. Sorry. Yeah, it's uh, a crab. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant spiders. How is that a spider? It's gone, gone hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a calcified spider. It's a petrified spider. As big as a bin. Yeah, no, it is literally as big. The, the famous Ugh. photo of one online where they're the size of a, almost like a dustbin, which is crazy. But anyway, um, should we do emails? Let's do emails. Is a little break first? Or little Let's break? have a little breaky break. Breaky, breaky, break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sponsored by Kit Kat. <laughs> I thought I'd do the full one. Yeah, that's it's much better. It gives us a little breather, doesn't it? Because mm. the break is as much for us as it is for you listening at home. I think so. Uh, can I get a quick? Uh, can I get a quick shout out for Charlie Harris? I think I might have messaged before. Uh, Charlie, it uh, could be a he or a she. I'm, I'm not clicking on the uh, the picture. Um, my host at my Airbnb in Nagoya had plastic wrapped my TV remote, thus preventing me from checking the battery brand. Uh, a crime against all battery connoisseurs. Look what they've done. They've they've wrapped. Shrink wrapped the uh, the remote control for the television to maintain freshness or something. Charlie needs to get a pen knife out. Yeah, and pop that's that dis- bad boy open. Oh, imagine going through all that cellophane and just finding a pair of standard common or garden Duracells in yeah. there. Yeah, be that disappointing. Would be that would be upsetting. Um, I want to do an email first up, if you don't mind, from John in Edinburgh. Right, okay, yeah. And this is a really fantastic. The quality of the emails have stepped up again. It's an even better batch than we've ever had before, and that is saying something because you guys are fantastic, fan bloody tastic, and we're really just the the mouthpieces for all your excellent stories. So thank you for that. But John in Edinburgh, hello to you, John. He says, "Hello, chaps. I come to you with a claim to fame, an anecdote, a couple of questions, and a Varta industrial alkaline battery that I found in my TV zapper." I like that he's calling it a TV zapper. I like that he's giving us so much stuff. Hmm. Battery brand, couple of questions, and yeah. uh, an anecdote. Well, strap yourself in. Yeah. Um, my dad calls it the bonger. What, sorry? He calls it a bonger. Bonger? B-O-N-G-E-R. The TV remote. <laughs> Why is it that? I don't know. That's the bonger. Yeah, he does say that. He just That's reminded me of my dad when you, when you said so that. so weird. There we go. Um, 
he says, this is starts off pretty interesting, right? Check this out. John says, as the first baby in the history of history to be successfully conceived using the IVF technique known as assisted hatching. Assisted hatching. I have uh, worked my status as a bona fide uh, medical marvel into every conversation possible since my miraculous birth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to see it hasn't given you a, a Christ-like uh, complex, uh, John. He well, says, John, do you want a quick um, prissy of uh, assisted hatching? From you. I'm going to read it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to read it out from the internet, and then I'm going to, and you're going to go, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Assisted hatching is a newer lab technique that was developed when fertility experts observed that the embryos with a thin zona pellucida, pellucida had a higher rate of implantation during IVF. With assisted hatching, an embryologist uses micromanipulation under a microscope to create a small hole in the zona pellucida. I thought that was what it was, yeah. Fucking about with the pellucida, isn't it? Always. That's what they're always doing, huh? Oh, that's, what I was, that's what I've always said about John. He's all right for a lad who had his pellucida fucked about with. I agree, yeah. yeah. Considering that, yeah. <laughs> um... John goes on to say, thanks for that update, Peter. John goes on to say, a few months ago, my girlfriend and I were discussing what we thought our first true memories were. I told her that mine was watching Teletubbies in a large, ornate room, which my mother had said was most likely at the IVF clinic. She returned for several cycles of treatment after I was born. My girlfriend looked amazed and said, to think that we can even form memories from before we are born. Incredible. Alarm bells. Wow. After a couple of minutes interrogation, I discovered that my girlfriend thought I had been grown to full gestation <laughs> from egg to infant in a laboratory, leaving my mother free to do all the smoking, boozing, and heavy lifting her heart desired. <laughs> Supposedly, I had not been watching Teletubbies as a three-year-old while sat in a creche, but in fact, as I floated in my test tube on a sterilized lab bench. The scientists must, she assumed, have put on some entertainment for all of us unborn babies bobbing happily away in our cabinet. My girlfriend was and is 25 years old. Wow. So, what are, these are the two questions. It's a great story, and these are the two questions off the back of it. Number one, John asks, what are your first organic memories? And number two, what is the stupidest thing you've ever heard anyone say? <laughs> John, so, that's naughty. Well, it's his girlfriend. He's, he's, he's thrown her under a bus he there. He doesn't own her. He's he doesn't, fr- no. he's, he's supposed to, he, he purports to love her. He doesn't name her, though. No. Um, and to be fair, there's probably quite a lot of John, John and Edinburgh's, especially ones who have been uh, conceived by assisted hatching and IVF, so yeah. you can't narrow it down. Number one, Pete, um, what is your first organic memory? And I'll, I'll be totally honest here, between me and the listeners, we've got high hopes for this one. Fourth birthday, a woman at nursery saying, you need to do up your buttons yourself now because you're four. And that's my first memory. That's very cute. It's How like, I, quaint. Remember, I remember looking down, it was a duffel coat, and that's my first memory. That is so quaint. I mean, I probably had ones before that, but it's the only one I can kind of date, I think, it's first. Well, it's easy to date, obviously, given the circumstances. <laughs> um, mine would be um, being stung by a bee in the back garden on my hand, oh. and running in and crying to my mum and holding my hand out, and I remember her looking down on me, and there were blue tiles in the background, the wall of the kitchen. Um, and my mum said she thinks I was about two and a half when it happened, but she can't oh. remember. But apparently a lot of like first memories that people insist they have are just mm. like um, they've look at, looked at photographs all yeah, their life yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, and they yeah. feel like they can remember it, but it's not actually the case. I remember the sea, I remember, it was probably around all that time that the Seacole wagon um, smashed at the back of our house. Seacole, uh, I think we've spoken about it on the show before. It's, no, it's we haven't. Well, coal seems out to sea. Um, coal comes in in little kind of fragments and, uh, you know, uh, uh, a man with uh, very little training can just go to Hartlepool Beach and just... Um, and just scoop up the sea coal and put it in the back of his uh, van and um, filter it and sell it on as um, really crappy coal. Um, and yeah. people did this as a job. A lot of people did this all the time. Yeah, so so a lot of Hartley Beach is just black basically because it's all the sea coal just coming back in. 
And and, um, the, and the, someone drove one of the vans into your house. Yeah, he was pissed out of his mind. <laughs> my God, how old were you? Uh, I think I, I think I might have been in my threes, you know. But I I remember it happening. So maybe that was my first organic memory. But I, I as I said, I couldn't date it. Have you asked Stuart we about in, it? We were in the uh, we were in the uh, newspaper. I seem to recall, what which I think was a national paper. But I I'm almost certain it's like the Northern Echo or maybe just the Hartlepool Mail. What does your dad think about it, Stuart? Um, well, he wasn't pl- best pleased at having to spend money to uh, rebuild the back of the house. <laughs> no, that that's much. unbelievable. So it was a proper of... lorry. It was a proper lorry smashed at the back of our house. We could have been badly hurt. Was the back of the house directly on the roadside then? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was like a terraced house. We were an end terraced house. Do your parents still live there now? No, no. It's uh, it was incredible. Knocked, it, was no- it was further knocked down later on. <laughs> you dodged a bullet. Well, a lorry. There. Dodged a lorry there. Yeah, but yeah. Apparently, the guy was drunk. Amazing. She call. Well, I hope he he was punished accordingly. Um, second, what is the stupidest thing you've ever heard anyone say? Uh, oh, I don't know. I remember, I remember the remember scratch and sniff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my sister thought that you could scratch the telly and sniff the telly. <laughs> that was pretty silly. Uh, what, was this recently? Or uh, <laughs> she's she's a mother now. Isn't <laughs> she's she? a mother so, now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to see Emma at the weekend. I'm very very pleased. That'd be nice. Very um, very pleased. That will be really nice. I love I love spending time with my niece. Um, anyway, um, I was at a party once. And someone... She's 25. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a party once and someone said something which quickly informed everyone um, that they thought the moon was just the night version of the sun. What? Hang yeah. on. What, you what? You, you, so I was, you at what? Chat- you I was at a party chatting to some people yeah. and there was someone there who made a comment. I can't remember the exact comment, but it, it rapidly transpired that she thought that the moon... And the, the sun were the planet. same thing. And the moon was basically just the name for the nighttime sun, basically. The nighttime. I mean, it's quite a nice idea, isn't it? Well, the reason I think it's not perhaps as stupid as you would think initially is because um, it's a weird coincidence of the solar system that mm. the sun is 400 times larger than the moon, but it is also roughly 400 times further away. So Hence, you get a perfect s- eclipse. So yeah. It's a weird little coincidence that actually they, they do appear the same size a lot yeah. of the time. So that's basically where it came from. But beyond that, I can't give her any... I think it's rather adorable. Why wasn't there a moon in Teletubbies? The aforementioned Teletubbies? I don't remember anything about Teletubbies. I think I was too old. Um, The girl grew up and she's at university now. But she's still got the same kind of face. (laughs) Well, the baby appeared in the sun. Yeah, the baby in the Mm. sun. Um, And did one of them die? Was it Tinky Winky? Pete, I don't know anything about it. No, this is a recent news story. One of the Teletubbies died, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. I do think the um, a lot of kids in a test tube kind of bobbing around watching That's a nice Teletubbies image. is such an adorable image. I'm finding it very hard to uh, to make it leave my head. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it is almost like a, quite a futuristic, but for some reason, not that horrific. Because most, no. most of scientific sort of technology and development you think of as being quite dystopian. But that's, <laughs> that seems quite quaint, really. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. you got, you got, oh, and one more thing, actually, before we move on to the next email. I once also heard someone say about a flat tyre, um, it's not that bad, it's only flat on the bottom. Oh, that's adorable as well. Some of these way. things are rather adorable. Yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying that immensely. Uh, do you want a, an email from uh, Matt Loveridge? Yes. Hello, Matt Loveridge. Uh, apologies for the rushed email, but literally nobody has enough time to go into the subject further. Uh, <laughs> having, uh, having visited Blobbyland in Somerset opposed to the, uh, as opposed to the uh, Markham Crinkly Bottom, Several times as a child, uh, and then after after it reverted back to Cricket St. Thomas. So it was Cricket St. Thomas at the start, then it became Blobbyland, uh, the aforementioned um, Crinkly Bottom slash uh, Mr. Blobby uh, tie-in um, theme park. Uh, I now uh, consider myself au fait with the doomed venture. As recently as only 10 years ago, you could still ride around the now wildlife park 
on a small train to view the animals briefly passing through tunnels still full of peeling yellow and pink paint and the wire skeletons of the now rotted bloody blobby children. Oh, my goodness. Up there with the elephant's foot when it comes to uh, frightening things. Uh, speaking of element, elephants, though, the story my friends and I knew about the closure was a bit of a humdinger. I've tried to verify it, and the timeline works. Uh, there was uh, a little thread on zoochat.com. I'm not going to besmirch the good name of the people who um, planned uh, Mr. Blobbywell, but <laughs> there were elephants in situ, and they certainly were not happy. Uh, in in the uh, in the actual, um, I think it's either a- I think it's after uh, Mr. Blobbyland happened. Basically, uh, they, well, had, they just left them there. They just left them there. Right. Um, Terrible. Uh, and basically, this this zoochat.com is like a forum of uh, people chatting about the wildlife park that came after Mr. Blobby World. And uh, yeah. apparently, uh, three elephants died either at or just after leaving the park. One of which was euthanized with a shotgun. Now I was thinking. How do you how do you euthanize an elephant? A shotgun's probably the best way to do it. We heard about. Um... The electrocution and hanging of an elephant once, didn't we, in that's the true. US? Well, uh, it's, it's, it's awful, this. This is awful. What do you mean? Well, you know, Mr. Blobbywell, that's what you get. Lethal injection. How many, how much drugs would you have to acquire? Well, neither of us know. A lot. Ironically. To kill an elephant. Ironically, you don't know. To kill an elephant. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And to be honest, if you're using that amount of chemicals, that would probably have an environmental problem. So shotgun to the head. How would you euthanize an elephant? Shaw at LukeandPeteShaw.com. Doesn't Matt also go on to say um, that at one point the the elephant's pen was situated next to a loudspeaker playing the Mr. Blobby song on a loop day in and day out in some sort of weird Guantanamo Bay-esque arrangement? Yeah, that's worse. That is a fake worse than death. That's worse than a shotgun to the uh, temple, isn't it? Hmm. So, yeah. Terrible. (laughs) Um, So if you want to check it out, zoochat.com. There's a little thread, History of the Elephants at Cricket St. Thomas. Have a look. Can I Can I p- perhaps venture, and if you need to bleep this out, you can, right? because um, it's one of those shady grey areas about whether I can say it or not. Noel Edmonds probably involved in that. Well, he was involved in We can definitely say he's involved because he was um, very much the creator slash friend. Yeah, but the, the, confidant but the of, type of uh, Mr. Blobby. The type of fella that Noel Edmonds unquestionably is, he would have been at the forefront of making those decisions, guaranteed. He was on the television uh, a few weeks ago, wasn't he? I um, saw it, yeah. Uh, and he was just spouting his shit about cancer. Talking about how... Uh, Fucking he, he, he didn't regret asking a cancer sufferer on Twitter whether they thought their own negative outlook on life had contributed to their own disease. Incredible. And he's hot, and, and, and uh, not only that, at the point he was hawking some kind of fucking box of electronics or some shit yeah. that's supposed to, you know. Oh, God. The people who prey on cancer sufferers are the worst. I think the worst people on, on the planet. Like, you know, obscene. Do you know what I say to Noel? What? No deal. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I say. Fuck yourself, Noel. Um, let's move on to more uh, happy uh, happy subjects. Mm. I, I want to I tell a story uh, which comes from Ben. All right, Ben. Okay. Ben has got a pair of Duracell batteries, but we don't hold that against him mm. because that happens to all of us. They're one of the um, one of the most popular brands around, as you all know. Oh, by the way, didn't someone send us an email about um, there was a, a scientific test done the most effective batteries? Did you see uh, that? Oh, yeah. I, I'll have to dig I've, it out at some I've point. I've seen the infographic where they made all the batteries long. Yeah. The longer it was, and the, the better the, the batteries. The, and they basically just put different brands of batteries into a, a completely identical electronic device and yeah. worked out how long which one lasted. Did Duracell last the longest? I think so. Is- or Panasonic, is- maybe? Israel Putnam uh, has just messaged in the last um, in the last day, I think. Uh, he says, maybe a bit dark for you chaps, but there's an article about the Austin bombing uh, suspect using exotic batteries, and that's uh, kind of how he was caught. Wow. 
That's uh, you know can be dangerous in the wrong hands. Batteries are force for bad, but also a force for good yeah. in finding terrorists. Batteries don't kill people. No. Rappers, rappers do. Rappers um, ben, this is a good story from Ben, um, who yeah, like I say, has got Duracell batteries. He said, "I found the story from a TED talk given in 2003 by Wade Davis, who's a leading ethnobotanist and anthropologist." An ethnobotanist. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, he sounds like one of those blokes who justifies racism through. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you know, through science, yeah. Well, just because it's got the word ethno, ethnobotanist. In it. Um, there's there's a there's a brand there's a branch of science um, which is I think called exogeology, which is right. a study of rocks outside of Earth, which mm. to me is absolutely fascinating. Say again, say that again. So like you, you, exogeology, which is basically any sort of study of rocks which isn't on Earth or right. comes from Earth. Okay, which is pretty cool. I think that is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, and, and also, I mean, it's come from like either. Have they brought back samples from Mars? They yeah. must have, surely. Yeah, yeah, of course they have. Uh, so, yeah, you just talk Mars and mm. Moon. Yeah. Where else well, thanks, could thanks, they have gone? Thanks for that valuable contribution. No, I'm just please. saying, I mean, there's two places, isn't it, really? <laughs> no, because it's like meteors, asteroids, oh, comets, right, all yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Okay. There's loads oh, going on. guys as well. There's loads going on, mate. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> if you heard, but the universe is actually quite big. Um, <laughs> what do you think about TED Talks? Because I used to think, oh, it'd be great to be like one of those people who does TED Talks one day, but I that was years ago. Do, yeah, but that was years ago. Everyone's got. Yeah, exactly. Everyone does them. You it's like do, podcasts. You could, you could literally do a TED Talk on podcasts. Of course I could. I'm a blooming expert. Sorry, podcasts. Podcasts. I'm an expert. I'm of course an expert. I could. I'm an expert. Anyway, Ben... Ben um, Never edits a show. Ben, no. <laughs> don't need to. No point. No. Beneath me. Ben, ben, um, Ben's uh, uh, Wade Davis TED Talk, he, he said it's, it's probably best known for his... State. I'm Wade Davis. I'm a leading ethnobotanist. That's definitely how he speaks. Howdy! Because yeah, he's called Wade. I've been to the moon! Um... I have to. Well, after I'll have to dig out. Um, he hasn't been to the moon. No. I'll have to dig out um, a load of village names in Dorset because when Mimi and I went to Dorset last month, you could do this great thing where you uh, find loads of village names and they sound exactly like um, American fugitives. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I'll do that. I'll do that next time. Um, Wade Davis is probably best known for his studies on zombies and voodoo in Haiti, yeah. but he tells this story about a particularly resourceful Inuit elder. This is a good story. From Dave, so this is these are Dave, uh, Wade Davis's words. The Inuit didn't fear the cold; they took advantage of it. During the 1950s, the Canadian government forced the Inuit into settlements. A family from Arctic Bay told me this fantastic story of their grandfather who refused to go. The family, fearful for his life, took away all of his tools and all of his implements, thinking that would force him into the settlement. But instead, he just slipped out of an igloo on a cold Arctic night pulled down his caribou and sealskin trousers and slipped uh, and, and defecated into his hand. That's a statement, isn't it? Yeah. As the feces began to freeze, he shaped it into the form of an implement. And when the blade started to take shape, he put a spray of saliva along the leading edge to sharpen it. That's when they call, uh, that's when what they called the shit knife took form. He, he used it to butcher a dog, skinned the dog with it, improvised a sled with the dog's rib cage, and then using the skin, he harnessed up an adjacent living dog. He put the shit knife in his belt and disappeared into the night. That Fant- is some I mean, MacGyver shit right there. <laughs> that fault, Peter, I don't know about you, but that for me falls under the uh, category of stories on this show, which which sits under, I don't care if it's true or not. Yeah. I, why brilliant. did he shit in his hand? Why did he just shit on the floor? It's freeze quicker, freeze. wouldn't it? Yeah, it would freeze quicker on yeah. the floor. Weird. Maybe it'd bury in the snow. <laughs> dig it out again. Incredible. Good stuff from Ben, that. Yeah. So next time around, I will find a list of Dorset villages with funny names, <laughs> and um, I'll tell you them. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, do you want a quick Mancata? Oh, yeah, go on then. Quick, yeah. because I don't have time to go through the whole story, but there is a fan- Unprofessional, isn't it? What do you mean? Are we out of time? 
No, I, I don't have time. As in, it's a it's a beautifully told story, and it's you're going to ruin it, and and I will absolutely okay. butcher it <laughs> with my shit knife, with the shit knife I call my tongue. The Luke and Pete show butchering stories since 2017. <laughs> uh, Henry Penn got in touch, and it's oh yeah, hang on, let me just do the jingle for crying out loud. Bloody um, hell. Where's me Men Carter jingle? <laughs> That's not it, um, Peter. That was the sexy noise. I oh, know. Why have you even got that on? Let there be justice for all. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope. Good morning. That's the other men car noise. Yeah. That is where the the men, the where you find men. Um, hello to Henry Payne, Kia Aura from. Uh, Good lord, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ayotearoa. Which is the Maori way of saying New Zealand. Oh, is it? Yeah. Just say New Zealand. Henry. And Kiora is hello, which when I lived in New Zealand was fantastic because yeah. remember that Kiora juice you used to have? Yeah. It obviously was, means hello. Was, oh no, it's Kiora. It was on Bongo, it's a bit racist, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. I think Kiora might have been a little bit as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. I'll be your dog. And like, yeah. If I think, yeah, the kid was. Ayotearoa yeah. is how it's pronounced, I think. Ayotearoa. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after listening to your show last last week, uh, your tale of a 64-day-long flight reminded me of a story I read about uh, where a plane in 1941 flew from Auckland to San Francisco having to take the long way around, around the world uh, because of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Basically, the long story short is that the plane ride in the 40s had to island hop its way down the Pacific, but as it took off on its way, the bombing of Pearl Harbor by the Japanese forced it to go another route. This led to the flight uh, having to fly all the way around through Asia, Europe, the Atlantic and the USA to ensure it wasn't captured by the enemy. I've added a link below and look forward to many more of your merry tales. Henry Payne. It's now, amazing, this story. Now, I've only read the first two parts of this. Uh, it's, it's last, it, it, the, the website is uh, lapsedhistorian.com uh, and it's Long Way Around, part one, part two and part three. And it is insane. It all sort of starts off a pilot's coming into land and uh, he gets basically a, an emergency message. And every pilot at that time had this envelope they had to keep on them at all times. They had to break the seal when they heard this particular message, this particular coded message, open it up. And in this piece of paper, it basically said, the Japanese have attacked uh, the US, um, yeah. you know, US territory. You've got to find your own way back or you've got to, you got to you mm. know, f- go through all of these steps in order not to get captured, in order not to get captured by the by the Japanese because uh, the plane that they were in held so many um, bits of technology that they didn't want to fall into the Japanese's hands. So this, this this pilot had to go right the way around the world, the wrong way, hiding from the Japanese yeah. effectively. It's an amazing story. It's that- incredible. And <laughs> and when, actually when they came to land, um, they'd been at, uh, in the air for such a long time. Uh, as they came to land back in, I think it was... Um, it's LaGuardia it in LaGuardia, City, LaGuardia. Yeah. Uh, I think he sort of came to land sort of, uh, uh, I've come from Auckland from the long, uh, like, and we've gone the long way around, yeah. which is insane. But if you try and Google the long way around, all you can find is that fucking Charlie Borman, oh, Ewan McGregor motorcycle trip, and it's very upsetting. He's so, a knob at that, Charlie So Borman. lapsedhistorian.com forward slash long way around I mean, part one. It's fascinating because they, it's a, it's a seaplane, not yep. a jet plane because, of course, there were no jet. I don't think there was widely available jet engines then, if, mm. even if they had been invented at all. I'm not sure. So they they had to be seaplanes so they could land and refuel. Mm. And it started off by flying to Pearl Harbor, and it flew out of Pearl Harbor just days before the attack in '41. And it, 
the story essentially is just them uh, trying to find places to fuel. Yeah. Because because they 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 they, they make it to Auckland. And then they received the um, the orders to strip all the insignia off the plane, and everything, mm. so it's not identifiable. And um, I don't think he, uh, Henry mentions it in his email, but they actually end up in Africa for a bit as well, and they end up in the <laughs> Congo for a bit. And um, and 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 it's essentially a commercial flying boat flying the wrong way around the world, twenty one thousand miles. And the thing that really blew my mind about the story is that, of course, one thing I didn't consider until it was mentioned is beyond a certain point in the Pacific, they have absolutely no charts. Right, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah. That, so one of the things they did in Auckland, they spent a week in Auckland, and one of the pilots, because there were quite big crews on the, on the plane, uh, one of the, um, the crewmen had to go to like, local libraries and ask if he could borrow all the geography <laughs> textbooks to try and chart their way around the world. Well, there's a world war happening. <laughs> and they still made it. Yeah, it's incredible. And they're sort of talking about the, um, like, uh, he like, rang his wife, I think, and sort of said, she sort of said, oh, you better be on for this time because I'll go to cook dinner. He's like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll definitely be back. Yeah. 50 days there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello. It's crazy. Absolutely amazing story. I really appreciate that from Henry. That's the sort of stuff we love. Yeah, indeed. And then half explained. Yeah, uh, if you want to get to the show, as always, hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. That's hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. Uh, head on up to iTunes, rate, review, tell your friends, tweet yeah. about us, crying out loud. Um, you know, it's, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there when it comes to podcasts. It is, and we had a few, I had a few people get in touch about a different show saying that why do you always ask to rate and review? It's purely because the better you review it, the better you rate it if you like the show, uh, means it gives other people, potential listeners, a chance to actually find it. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for them. So it's very helpful for us if you do that. Um, and if you like the show, it, it takes you two minutes. And it's not just um, us going, oh, can you rate a review? Because when I like something... I often don't want anybody else to like it because it's my little niche thing that I like because I'm a deviant. Um, but it's very much it's safeguarding the future of the projects. I think, and, and we also, ways. and we also, even if we do become really popular, we still love all of you out there. It's not that like you're not going to lose ownership of us. Yeah, we'll still be there for you. We'll still have time for you. We'll still read your emails. We'll still read your emails. Pete will still go around your house for a cup of tea if you want him to. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. Let's get out of here. Let's bloody get out of here. We'll see you next week. For more fun. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.